This morning we're going to be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is David McLemore. I'm an elder here at Refuge. Uh, I'm so happy to be able to, to stand here and, and preach from God's Word this morning. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. We're going to look at this amazing passage of Scripture that, that tells us who Jesus is for us. It's such an important thing to see who Jesus is, because we, we carry around so many uh, wrong thoughts, uh, or at least incomplete thoughts of Him, uh, about how He thinks about us, interacts with us, treats us, and, and so forth. If, if you were to describe to someone who didn't know Jesus what the heart of Jesus is like, what would you say? How would you answer that question? Well, Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 is one really good answer. So let's read it now. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's God's Word. If you've been around Refuge for any length of time, you, you know we begin every worship service the same way to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God even cares, to all who fail and desire strength, and to all who sin and need a Savior, this church opens wide her doors with a welcome from Jesus. Why do we say that every single week? Because before we do anything else together, we want to bring our deepest needs to Jesus. We, we want to lay it all before Him, and sometimes we just need someone else to call out what, what those needs are for us, don't we? I mean, I do. I'm always moved by those words. Here, here's a little insider uh, knowledge for you. That's actually my favorite part of the service. <laughs> Nothing delights me more than to be able to say that to you. Because I need it. Those words always speak to something going on deep inside of me that maybe I'm not even aware of until I come and hear them. We can think of those words as our confession that we're always needy for grace and mercy. I mean, no matter what it looks like on the outside, we come weary and heavy laden just by living in this broken world. We come in need of a rest that we cannot give ourselves, that no good night's sleep can manage to give, longing for a gentleness and a yoke found only in Jesus, an easy one where the burden is light and the rest is eternal. Jesus offers himself to the real us. 
not some future version of ourselves that we think is going to somehow be better than who we are right now, not some cleaned up image of ourselves, but just plain old us, (laughs) with all of our mess, with all of our stuff, us, weary, mournful, depressed, anxious, failing, sinful. We come to Him as we are, without any pretense, without anything in our hands to offer Him but our need. Asking Him to convert our our longing into reality, to transform our sorrow into joy, to remove the guilt of sin by His blood, and to give new life to us, even if we're just barely hanging on. These three verses we're looking at today are perfect for people like us. Because what they do is they show us the kind of heart that Jesus has for us. Jesus is telling us here about His heart, His own very heart. The great pastor of the 19th century Charles Spurgeon pointed out that in all of the Gospels, this is the only place, the one place in all of the Gospels that Jesus himself speaks of what his own heart is like. I mean, isn't that amazing? Of all the things he did and said, here, this is something unique. What is the heart of Jesus like? Gentle and lowly not harsh and reactionary, not easily put out and frustrated, not ready to strike you down. He is the most understanding person in the universe. As author Dane Ortland says, the posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Gentle and lowly, gentle enough for the worst of us, and lowly enough for the humblest of us. We can't actually be too needy for Jesus. He likes our need. He's not put off by our neediness. Uh, I mean, we can, it is possible for us to think ourselves too good for Jesus, but we are never too bad for Jesus. So as we continue our season of prayer and and what we're calling reset as a church here, uh, I just want us to to spend this morning just listening to who Jesus is by his own words, (laughs) what his heart is for us. So let's listen to what he says. And what we find here is this is not just his heart for us, this is his heart for our city, for our neighborhoods for our workplaces, for our schools, for for this crazy world. And as we listen, we hear at least three things. First, the invitation to Jesus. Second, the pathway of Jesus. And third, the promise from Jesus. So first, let's look at the invitation to Jesus. Look again at verse 28. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Jesus doesn't say, work toward me. 
He doesn't say, earn me. He doesn't say, deserve me. He says, come to me. What does it mean to come to Jesus? Well, in this, in this verse, the word come isn't only a command, it's also a, an exclamation. I, I once heard Pastor Ray Ortland put it this way. It's like Jesus is saying something like, hey guys, I'm over here. He, he's getting our attention. We're just running around everywhere, going from one place to another, trying to make our life work. And we're just not noticing the gentle and lowly Savior sitting right there, right in front of our eyes, offering everything that we've always longed for, everything that we're looking for everywhere else. I mean, the truth is, Jesus isn't hard to find. He's made Himself available, and He's making Himself available, moment by moment, to people like us, with all of our stuff. And He wants to get our attention because He, because who He is, is the one thing that we most need. He never runs out of grace. He never runs out of mercy. There's never a moment of our life that we don't need Him. Come as a a present tense command here. Jesus isn't asking us to come tomorrow or the next day or someday out in the future, but today. Come today. Leave your self-reliant efforts today. Leave your sins today. Leave your burdens today and come. Rest is here right now for you. Whatever moment you're in, rest is available in Jesus. Just come. This is amazing because in a world that demands our our learning, our doing, our working before anything else, Jesus asks only first for what? Our coming. Our new life begins right there just by coming to Him. Yet even still, we we find ways to complicate this, don't we? I mean, we hear this, but we find ways to complicate this. We imagine some hard conditions, some preliminary work, some qualifications or, or prerequisites. But Jesus asks us only to come as we are with all that we are. If we were to write this, On Jesus' behalf, what if we, he asks us to write, uh, come to me, fill in the blank. What would we put in that blank? Maybe we would put some sort of filter on it for others, thinking self-righteously of ourselves, but often I think we put a filter on that for ourselves. We think we can't possibly come to Him until, I don't know, we feel guilty enough, we fix this problem in our life, we found some solution and we just need Him to bless it. But who gave us the right to add to God's Word? Who gave us the right to change what Jesus says? 
What does Jesus say? Come to me. Oh. Not some. Not the good. Not the qualified. Not the deserving. Oh. Jesus uses a, a, here, a word here big enough to include every type of sinner in the world, every type of sufferer in the world, a, a word so big and so inclusive that everyone who has ever lived actually fits inside of the all in terms of his invitation. The gospel brings a, a, a worldwide invitation to Jesus. It has no cultural limits, no national limits, not even sin limits. Here, in fact, are the only qualifications, the, the only thing that, that we must have to come to Jesus. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Other translations read all who are weary and heavy laden. That, that's a good translation too. That's what that word labor means. If you're working yourself to death trying to fix your life, laboring. Or if your life is, is weighed down by something outside of your control, heavy laden. Jesus calls you to himself. Isn't that amazing? Here's Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, the one who is the author of the book of Hebrews says, upholds the universe by the word of his power. This isn't hard for him. That one, that glorious, powerful, almighty one offers himself to who? The worn out, the pressed down, the weary and the burdened, the needy. I mean, he could, he could go anywhere, right? <laughs> he could go to the powerful, the impressive, the mighty. But where does he go? He goes to the needy, to the lowly, to the people who can't figure life out, who don't know what else to do or where else to go, but they're sure trying. To the very people he must actually call attention to because they can't seem to slow down enough to look his way. You and me, us. This is one amazing truth that runs about the gospel that, that it just runs counter to every other religion. The needier you are, the more perfect you are for Jesus. There are no self-made Christians. That's not a category. There are only needy people who collapse at the feet of Jesus and let him lift them up. So if you are exhausted from working only to fail, from obeying only to sin, from pushing the rock up the hill only to have it fall back on top of you, you're invited to Jesus. If you feel a heaviness on your heart that you want to be free of, some sin or anxiety or sorrow or remorse or memories or uncertainties or whatever, you are invited to Jesus. 
The qualifications you need are only your weariness and your weightiness. Your need is, is it's not a problem for him. You don't have to worry about that. You're not adding some burden to him. He is there to unburden you. In fact, your, your burden is the very thing that delights him. <laughs> he loves to move towards you. He loves to care for you. You can trust Jesus with who you really are because of who he really is, gentle and lowly at heart. You can come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus and entrust yourself into his care, he gives you something no one else can, nothing else can. Look again. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Jesus says here something that actually only God can say. In fact, God did say it uh, throughout the Old Testament. But here's just one example, and the prophet, the prophet Jeremiah said, I, God's words through the prophet of Jeremiah, I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. God didn't just say that something like that one time. He said it over and over again in the Old Testament. He is the God who promised rest and now has come to earth to accomplish the plan of salvation and give that rest in fullness to his people in Jesus. Jesus is saying what only God can say, which is to say that Jesus is God. He is the one who can grant this. He's not asking you to deserve it, not, not way back when you first decided to follow him, or right now, or in 10 years when you still fall into sin. The entire passage rests on who Jesus is, not on who we are. He's the one making promises. He's just asking us to trust him to come to him. So maybe you're doing okay right now. I hope you are. And maybe you're not. And I'm so sorry. But each of us are going to have a moment in our life where it just feels like everything is falling apart. This is a verse you can come to in those hard times. When you can't find rest anywhere else, here is Jesus, your Savior, saying, come to me. When all else fails, he never will. This is an offer we can't refuse. I mean, we'd be crazy to refuse this. And as we come, Jesus never leaves us in the same place he found us. He always takes us on a journey with him, which is our second point, the pathway of Jesus. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, now given what we just saw, uh, this verse, it might be a bit jolting. I mean, Jesus offers rest and then immediately says, take my yoke upon you. 
He didn't say, take my seat. He didn't say, uh, take my bed. He didn't say, take my vacation. <laughs> he said, take my yoke. Well, what's a yoke? Well, a, a yoke, it's an agricultural term. It's, it's something that farmers place on animals to use their strength to plow a field. So, wait a minute. How, how, does, this, how does this make sense? How is a yoke the natural outflow of the rest that Jesus gives? Well, notice, first off, he calls it his yoke. He, he doesn't say a yoke, some random yoke. He doesn't say the law's yoke, because we know we're failures there. Not some other yoke, some new yoke, his yoke. The yoke of Jesus, take my yoke upon you. The yoke of Jesus is vastly different from every other yoke. In verse 30, we see that his yoke is what? It's easy. It's not heavy. It's light. Now, we need to get something right straight away. There is, no matter what we wish, there is no such thing as a yokeless life. That doesn't exist. It's just a matter of what we're yoked to, of who we're yoked to. Coming to Jesus isn't a yokeless life. I mean, one look at the Sermon on the Mount or Jesus' parables or the Great Commission should, should just get rid of that thought right away. When we come to Jesus, we are coming to Jesus as we are, but He changes us into who He is. He starts working on the inside. The yoke we receive from Him is not like the yoke of the Pharisees who demand strict obedience to man-made laws. It's not the yoke of the world that demands constant change and evolution of views or else. Jesus' yoke is easy. It's light. And it's easy and light for at least two reasons. First, his yoke comes along with his teaching. You see that there. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. To have his yoke means you will be working. And, and that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> Despite how it may sound at first, work is not a result of the fall. God gave Adam work before he sinned. We're meant to do it. It actually makes us feel good. We want meaningful work, don't we? We're designed that way. As commentator Dan Doriani says, the cure for a heavy burden is not to have no burden, but a light burden, the right burden. Jesus knows the right burden. He offers rest not by inviting us to do nothing, but by leading us to the right activities. As we move forward as a church together, Jesus will call us to work, just as He's done all along. He'll call us to do hard things for Him, even suffer for Him. But isn't working with Christ, even with suffering, better by far than living without Him? Secondly, His yoke isn't heavy because of who He is. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now here's what, here's what separates Jesus from everyone else. He's not at times gentle and lowly. He's not on good days gentle and lowly. He is gentle and lowly. The word gentle means pleasant, mild, soothing, friendly. It's the opposite of rough, hard, and violent. Jesus is not out to get you. His most foundational disposition is not to destroy you, but to save you. 
not to strike you, but to comfort you, not to do violence, but to be gentle. When we go the wrong way, He gently redirects us. He doesn't shame us. He doesn't embarrass us. He just gently leads us back to Himself, back to the right path, to learn afresh from Him, to see Him again for who He is, and and to just fall in love with Him all over again by the way that He loves us. And He's also lowly. Jesus He doesn't need to be seen as impressive. He is impressive. So lowliness doesn't bother him. The word lowly means means weak, insignificant, servile. Uh, That wasn't a virtue even in Jesus's day. It was looked down upon. It still is. I mean, who in their right mind would live that way? Well, Jesus would. God Almighty would. At his deepest core, Jesus is a servant. He came to serve and not to be served because that's who he is at heart. He doesn't mind stooping down to our level, getting inside of our messes, dying for our sins. His heart is not limited to what we deserve. It rejoices in serving the unworthy, the guilty, the sinful, the wayward his children. We were made to be with God. So when when Jesus came to take his yoke upon us, what we actually find is the kind of life that we long to live, and we find it together. He becomes not just my Savior and your Savior, but our Savior collectively, together, joined by Him. He joins us together, and He begins to use us collectively for His glory. We start getting involved with things that that we never could have imagined before for His sake. He shows us how to live for Him. He carries the load, but He deploys us in mission. He sends us out into His fields right for harvest to do His work in the world. And He's patient. He's tender, he's open, he's, if we can use this word, accommodating. (laughs) He's understanding. When we stumble, he picks us up. When we can't go on, he carries us. When we doubt him, he proves himself. When we fail, we get his success. When we sin, well, he's already paid the penalty. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus is willing to be yoked to us, and we aren't holding him back. Even more, he's happy to do so. He longs to be this way. Nothing in him shies away from us. No sin is too great, no weakness too much, no failure too much. He comes down to our low place and takes us to his high place. And he doesn't mangle us on the way because he's gentle. He knows our frame. He knows because he's been in the weakness of flesh. But he never sinned. So his strength is far greater than ours. He knows the path and he will teach us. I mean, we know Jesus isn't just talking the talk, that he walked the walk. He entered in. He came. Would we, I mean, if we were... Lots of people have made up lots of gods. Show me one that's ever entered in. 
Show me one that's died for his people. Show me one whose heart is moved by their very neediness, by their very weakness. Only Jesus. Because he's gentle and lowly. And he's offering his yoke to teach us his ways. So that we can live together in this gentle and lowly environment of grace that only the gospel of Jesus Christ can create. And he's making a promise, which is our third point, the promise from Jesus. Look again at verse 29, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's a second time Jesus mentions rest. The first rest was this, I don't know, an immediate rest from coming to him. It's that unburdened feeling that you finally feel. When you realize, oh gosh, Jesus actually loves me. When you actually feel forgiven. Now this rest that he's talking about here, this is the rest after the rest. (laughs) The first rest is is given. Uh, The second rest, it's given as well, but it's also kind of discovered. The first is an instant relief. The second is a a lifelong journey. It's the rest of a learner, the rest of one who after receiving now serves alongside his master and realizes, oh man, (laughs) I don't know that we could call this work. This is what living with Jesus is like. It's not a physical rest. I mean, there's a yoke involved. There's a learning involved. Neither is easy. It demands something of us. Jesus doesn't actually offer rest for our bodies, not in this life anyways. What he offers is rest for our souls. Maybe, maybe that's disappointing. I don't know. Maybe you prefer rest for your bodies. I mean, so much of our life is, is driven by how our body feels. We fall asleep at night because our body just can't take anymore. I don't know about you, but even though I fall asleep, I'm always tired. I wake up tired. Talking to Tim this morning. How are you, Tim? Tired. Woke up tired yesterday. Woke up tired. That's that's us, isn't it? I just got back from vacation. Hours in the car with four kids. Not easy. Not sleeping in my bed for seven nights. Awful. The end of that trip, I laid down in my bed. It felt like resting on clouds. I mean, it was just, oh, man. But then, I don't know, four-ish o'clock? My dog woke me up, had to take her out. Then what happens? Well, I feel a little better, but then things pop into my mind. Some things I haven't thought about in a long time. Failures of the past. Sins that I wish I hadn't committed. Feeling guilt. Feeling a, a, a... anxiety, a a burden, a weight. I I didn't plan for that. I wasn't looking for that. But you know those things that only darkness calls them out? Those kind of things. It didn't matter how my body felt. My soul needed rest. And yours does too. Deep inside 
our soul. There's a need no amount of physical rest can alleviate. There are memories of our past that we don't want to think about, but from time to time they arise anyways. And they remind us that we're just not good. We're not who we wish we were. We're not who we plan to be by this point. There are regrets that won't fade away. There are wounds that time won't heal. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's not just me, right? What does Jesus have for us in the midst of that? Rest. At the deepest possible level, at the soulish level, A rest that we can actually count on, (laughs) not just one year from now or ten years from now, but on into eternity. Maybe we can't live with ourselves after what we've done, but Jesus is there to say, I've paid the penalty for that. I'm not holding that sin over you. Maybe we can't forget the pain of the past, but Jesus says, that doesn't have to be your future. Not with me. He has gone to prepare a place for us in His Father's house. That's what He told us He was going to do. So maybe we can't turn off the anxiety of another uncertain day, but Jesus says, I'm already out there ahead of you. I know how this will end, and no matter what comes, no one can snatch you from my hand. No one. We need a rest that stretches further than today. We need an eternal rest. We need to know that we can't ruin this sometime out in the future. We need peace of heart, peace with God that actually lasts. We need a clear conscience. We need the removal of guilt. We need shame to disappear. And Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, offers it all. Right now, this moment, and tomorrow when you wake up and you still feel the heaviness, and next year when you've gone, I don't know what's happened, He's there. The same Jesus, the same rest, the same hope, the same Savior. His salvation is total and complete. (laughs) There is nothing left to be done. He has done it all. Looking forward to Christ's cross in Jeremiah 31, verse 34, God tells us what He thinks about His people because of Christ's atonement. Here's what He says. Can we believe this? I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. God is not holding our sins over our head if we've come to Jesus. Jesus' yoke is easy. The burden is light. Do you see the kindness of this? In fact, the word easy means kind. Jesus is kind to us. His yoke, therefore, is is a kind of non-yoke. 
It's not burdensome. It's easy, kind. It's the kind of thing that we just long to do, to come under Him, to be shepherded by Him, to follow Him. Who doesn't need kindness in this harsh world? We all do. Our only hope is Jesus. For all that we've done wrong, for all that we are that we wish we weren't, for all of our weakness and neediness, what has Jesus done? He's come. Not theoretically, really, truly, come, entered in to be our substitute, your substitute. Jesus lived the life that you should have lived but failed to. And he died the guilty death that you were owed. And he wasn't mad about it. That was the plan. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So when we come to him, what we find is that we can have peace with God, real peace with God. Even if all this world stands against us, we can lay down our head at night and sleep well because God is for us and not against us. He takes great delight in us. He will quiet us by his love. He will rejoice over us with singing. That's why Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's not saying life won't be hard. There's still a cross to be carried. There will be trials. Jesus actually promised us us that. What we have in the midst of it is the comforts of the gospel that outweighs everything else. Jesus offers a rest that we never thought possible. Peace with God. Real peace with God. So let me close with this. Why are we talking about this verse today? Because coming to Jesus moment by moment is the only future we really have, isn't it? It's the only thing that's going to sustain us, individually, corporately, for forever. That's all we got, coming to Jesus. He's our leader. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our Master. He's the one we follow. We just go wherever the Lamb goes. I mean, what's the alternative? If we don't receive the real Jesus in his own words and let him change us deep within, we will be inevitably harsh, unkind, restrictive. It's just the way we naturally are. Thankfully, we're not that way here at Refuge Church, but if we don't keep coming to Jesus, we could be. In fact, we will be. But if we continue to receive the real Jesus in his own words and keep receiving him moment by moment together, there is no end to the joy and the peace and the harmony and the risk-taking and the cross-bearing that we will experience here together. 
Here's another reason I wanted to talk about this this morning. It's because next week we are, uh, it's, it's going to be a special service for us. Uh, out of the norm in, in a way, we're, we're going to have celebration of baptisms, the receiving of new members into the church. And there's still time. If, if you need to come to Jesus and want to be baptized, you can talk to me after this. You can talk to Pastor Dustin after Next week is maybe your week. (laughs) All Jesus is asking of us is to come, to stop running everywhere else and come to him, to take his yoke upon us, for he is gentle and lowly in heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words from your son that they are true, that they could not be more true than they are even today. That you love us, you call us to come, and and, and that's all. That's all you're asking of us. And you, you take care of the rest. So Father, let us come. Draw us to yourself. Unite us in your Son under his yoke and use us for your glory alone, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.